Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday Draft Live. The voice you're not hearing introducing the show in quite some time is me, Scott McLeod. I'm sorry I was gone, but look, we've made you some content. SDL has made you your favourite, now open wide, because we're back with new era of Saturday Draft Live, where you've got us rotating two-man uh, hosting duties. Uh, last week you heard David Cavill and Jack Graham, and this week you'll hear myself, and the ever-reliable stats fan, and one of the only people who still give a shit about the Listener's League <laughs> is the one and only David Hawk. And I'm going to bring some uh, some redemption to the Listener's League after it was completely violated by the GOAT last week. So if you haven't heard that episode, I mean, and you want to hear a different take on the Listener's League, you know, knock yourself out. Because <laughs> it is, I mean, it was an entertaining thing to listen to, but my God, I mean, how could he, I've never seen anybody violate five people in the space of two minutes like that. <laughs> I'd kind of be, I'd use your words carefully when you when you say that there, uh, Hockney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that didn't that didn't sound right. Thinking back, just there. It's too early for a Saturday for that kind of language. Way you know, too early. Yeah. Show here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's keep it. Let's keep it clean from now on. Yeah, keep it PG. Uh, well, of course, you're listening to Saturday Draft Live here on the Eat It Still Like Retreat podcast and feed, and you can find all past episodes of various hosting uh, combinations. <laughs> in our back catalogue on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, where we get your podcasts, as well as past episodes of ESR Essential, which David Hockney was on alongside Grant Robbie and Sarah Grieve. And we've got feature shows, including the most recent Christian show, and we've got shows about the invasion and SummerSlam 1991 coming in the, in the next few weeks, so some interesting content over there. And there's a big show for New Japan this Sunday, and the Tokyo Dome, so very soon you'll have another episode of East Meets the with myself and Graham McRobbie telling you everything that happened on that side. But now it's time for the draft. And an interesting talk to you is thankfully no Drew McIntyre to be seen, whoop, whoop. Unfortunately, unfortunately for him. Uh, but the best way I can describe the top three, Dave, it's, it's a new soul sandwich. And oh, yeah, top definitely. three, you got Jey Uso at the bottom on three with uh, 15 points. And you got Jimmy Uso with 32 and number one, you know, Big E providing the meat, the slapping meat for the <laughs> middle six. So we'll get to Big E in due time, but we'll talk about the Usos in one. Because also you got to think this is due in large part to their, their tag team championship win mm-hmm. at Money in the Bank on the kickoff show. It was controversial, as some people may have found it. But then I believe Jimmy Uso particularly was in singles competition this week on SmackDown. That plus a, a captaincy on him, I think, is what's edged him above Jay. Yeah, that's... Uh... I mean, the difference is as clear as day. Like, the Usos, you know, had a big week this week, particularly with capturing the their seventh SmackDown tag title of Money in the Bank. But Stephen Wilson, who has Jey Uso and his team, only applied the captaincy this week. So it won't come into effect until Monday. So that's mm-hmm. why the two Usos' Oso, positions are very different on the, on the top three this week. Whereas me, on the other hand, I'm the one who's got Jimmy Uso on my team with the captaincy applied, and he was the one that got a singles win. So that's why he's swept the top three this week with over 30 points and it's a massive gain for Jimmy Uso because that makes him now the best transfer window uh, selection by a country mile 
because mm. his post transfer window score is now 58. So it's uh, and he scored 32 pre the transfer window, and that mm. puts him as number one uh, ahead of every other transfer window pick. The next closest is Orange Cassidy on 17 points after the transfer window, and he was also chosen by me. So I think it's needless to say is I've had a an absolute barnstormer with the transfer window as of late. Yeah, no, Andy, there was some fear on your part uh, because of what happened with Jim so you figured that they'd probably take him off of TV. And again, we're not really here to talk about the repercussions and whether or not Jimmy should have been punished. I believe you guys covered that as much detail as was required on it on Central recently. Yep. But, you know, I guess on and some silver, silver lining for you, it keeps your, your team looking strong. Here Absolutely, and, yeah. And, and with the, yeah. sorry, I was just saying, and the, with the 58 points that Jimmy Uso accumulated, he now uh, stands in 10th place in the top 10 of the season, right behind his brother Jay on 59 points. So yeah, the mm-hmm. Us- both Usos are now in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Which is which is very interesting to see them at, at, at so high a single specs, but uh, as you were telling me before, a lot of Jimmy Uso's success is also his pre-transfer window. Mm. Uh, success as well yeah and I think the having the captaincy on him definitely helps out as well because obviously Stephen has Jey Uso without the captaincy up to this stage and it's only through through that you know he's just been rack, racking up steady points on through appearances on Smackdown alone but mm-hmm. I think uh, Big E is probably going to be one to watch over the next while but he seems to be embroiled in the Intercontinental Championship title scene once again but it's Needless to say, I think at some point, maybe SummerSlam, maybe afterwards, we're not sure if he'll cash in uh, by the end of this season. So, it, But it's still a big gain uh, for Big E this week as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, I don't know what will happen with the, the Usos going forward before moving to Big E, but I think uh, if the stories are true and that he's not really going to be taken off of TV anytime soon because he's seen as uh, too valuable to the the ongoing like Roman Reigns story and potentially the story with The Rock coming forward. I mm. think uh, for the first time in quite a few, quite a long time, uh, the Usos will be a very valuable tag team pick. For again, sure. Cause I think I think last time they picked was in season five, right? As one of them got injured, uh, I think it was Jimmy got injured. Yep. So you, you, so even pre then, so season four may have been the last time someone picked them as an actual tag team pick, which is yeah. I, I season four, I picked them as a tag team. Mm. Which is strange because, you know, before then, you could have always counted on the Usos uh, to be there. So it's the longest real period that we've not had them about. I, but I think they're just be- they're becoming even more reliable as singles picks now. And, you know, they've, uh, they've proved it here, you know, just sweeping the board in the, in the top three. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned uh, the person in the middle of the man who won Money in the Bank a lot, and a lot of people were hoping would win Money in the Bank. He is Big E on 18 points this week, and David Campbell's team uh, only made an appearance on SmackDown, but it's still enough to get him to the top three. And yeah, as you said, he might be in the uh, the trends. He might be in the IC title scene. But I think, well, regardless of whether or not he cashes in at SummerSlam, I think he's still going to be a, or maybe a potential high value first round pick uh, next season because you know either he's walking in as WWE or Universal Champion, which is valuable. Or he's walking in with the possibility of winning the title at some point during next mm-hmm. season, and those championship win points are incredibly valuable, especially in a season as short as uh, next season. And with the the risk of purgatory, having Biggie cash in 
would be an excellent way to keep you away from that potential purgatory side of the table. I we don't want to be shying away from Big E come next season because you know he's currently Campbell's captain and he banked on it literally. Uh, he banked on Big E winning Money in the Bank and lo and behold the gamble paid off. So it, it's a it's a good score for him given that you know he's uh, he needs some points you know to get to regain some ground. But uh, but yeah, everybody will be vying for Big E come next season. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah, I've had him, I had him in two seasons, in seven and eight, uh, when I was in team with Stephen, and that was during much of his IC title reign. So he has shown his, his value, mm-hmm. how valuable he can be as a singles pick, and now with the possibility of a future world title reign, I think he's going to be even more of one to watch. So that'll be very interesting. But now we watch the the top ten of the the season right now and the current standings. And, you know, a few told me at the start of the season that I'd be happy the fact that I was only second last and not last place. Mm-hmm. I would have told you how interesting. Now leave me alone. Uh, Sarah Grieve is in, fortunately, in last place with 122 points. I'm not that much ahead of her on 35 and a half points. I was hoping to be much higher because I thought with AEW going back on the road, I'd have at least one or two more Miro TNT title defences by now. Mm-hmm. But he keeps appearing in backstage segments and... For some reason, the fucking the IWGP US title is taking the the place of the belt that gets defended on a weekly basis. Like, I'm happy to talk about that on East Meets West, but I'd have I'd like to talk about the TNT title right now. So bugger off. He is your best scorer though. He's uh, 47 points for Miro, but yeah, as you said, I think the uh, the New Japan Pro Wrestling or the IWGP US title took precedence this week. Yeah. Uh, also, the season's not over yet, so there's always a chance for him a. Because we've got fight for the fall of next week, or something could be announced, or that homecoming show they've got in a couple of weeks' time. So there's always the opportunity. I think he's not dropping anything, so he's also going to be very valuable next season as well as Miro. Uh, Campbell uh, has a bit of a gap between me and him with 164 points. I'll say a lot of that is held with Big E uh, winning the Bank the Bank this week. Ross is just ahead of him on 169. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Dalglish is on 181. And a half points, deplorable human. Uh, 208 points ahead of it. On 208 points in fifth place is Ryan Gallagher. Uh, David Hockney, you on 222 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big, big gains. And I think I was in sixth place this time last week. So Money in the Bank, Jimmy Uso's win, and I think a few others from Dynamite as well, like Orange Cassidy beating the Blade, AJ and Omos retained the tag titles. Like, Rand Raquel successfully defended the NXT women's title. It's been a big, big scoring week for me this week. 58 points from this week alone. So, yeah, massive gains and much needed too. Absolutely, because that, you're not that much far behind there. Uh, our second and third, you know, with another big week like this, you could catch up to them with mm-hmm. Gaddy on 238 points and Stephen Wilson with 244 points. But the question is, can you or anybody at this late stage really catch up to our number one at the top of the table, and it's the same song we've been singing for the majority of the season. It's Jack Graham with 263 points. You, I wonder how good of a week would you, someone like you or Stephen or Gary need to come like on the, on the weeks leading to SummerSlam to just well, be with a chance of stealing the season from Jack? Well, we see all with the Royal Rumble season this year that I was ahead by about 30 points and I fell down to third because Jey Uso didn't appear in the Royal Rumble and I put my captaincy on him, so that was a bit of a letdown. But, uh, yeah, I think I've now found myself in the striking zone to sort of try and swipe uh, at least one of the top top spots here because all I'd need is like another successful title defense for Raquel, another from AJ and Omos, 
and consistent appearances from Jimmy Uso, and I'll be I'll be racking up points like nobody's business. And Jack's team in particular, I've seen a bit of a cool down because obviously Drew didn't win Money in the Bank this past mm-hmm. week. It looks like he's going into a he's going to continue his feud with Jinder, and yeah, Alexa Bliss as well failing to win Money in the Bank at the same time. But I think Jack's best chance of trying to pull things back will be in AEW with the Young Bucks uh, competing at Fight for the Fallen, followed by Adam Page. So that might sort of offset them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I wonder if, because it's an elimination match as well, so I wonder how the points are going to work out with like both Page and the Bucks on his, his team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, well, Drew probably to kind of get his momentum back is probably going to, you know, I think it's guaranteed that he'll beat Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam. It's going to like, keep moving the title, but give him a big win on a big 4P review to, you know, get, him, get his momentum back. But you gotta wonder, like, if the rest of your team isn't performing as strongly, and somebody else like yourself, Stephen or Guy, has a really strong like SummerSlam weekend, then mm. does how much does that does the does the Drew McIntyre win really benefit Jack? If everybody else is having better or potentially getting championship points out of it. Mm. Stephen's best chance to try and swipe first places with his his captain. Bian- oh no, sorry, my mistake. Not his captain anymore. Uh, but he did get captaincy points from Bianca Belair winning the or retaining the SmackDown women's title this week against Carmella. So that's I think if he keeps that momentum going there, uh, along with Jey Uso's multiple appearances as his new captain, and he's certainly in with a chance of closing the gap between him and Jack. Before we move uh, to this league and one of the other big topics we really uh, want to talk about this week, I want to say about the, the way the table looks this season because also it's the longest season that we do. And I think it's interesting that last season, the first half of it was very interesting with, you know, Grant kind of being the top and I guess with Eugene Hamm and Gary and Ross for a wee while before Stephen ultimately took a hold and wouldn't let the top spot go until the very end of the season where he eventually won it. Whereas this time around, for the majority of the season, Jack's been on top. It's only in the last few weeks that people, the gap has been smaller and smaller at the top of the table. I mean... Yeah, two hundred sixty-nine points to like two forty-four is not a sniff at, but you know, again, like I said, with a good week or so of some championship points in there, Stephen or Gary could be closing in on him. So it's only getting interesting really at the top now. And I probably with the way I performed and the way I just threw out picks at the start of the season, I'm probably in no position to judge anybody mm. on their drafting strategy. But I really think next time we come around to this kind of season, uh, the next mania to SummerSlam. I really think a lot of people need to rethink the strategy for this particular season because that's two seasons in a row where somebody's held on to the top spot for about, for at least a good chunk of the season and made it maybe not as in, with a quite a strong gap and made it maybe not as interesting as it could be. So I think everybody needs to rethink their strategy to help make the top of the table more intriguing, I think, next season, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, next transfer window season, I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, I get you about the because the transfer window is always a tricky one. Sometimes you can make or break a season by making some very good transfers, as evident, you know, like with me, you know, I was in the bottom half of the table for the majority of it, but now I've finally cracked the top half. And if my momentum keeps going, I could start to slowly overtake Gary and Stephen if, you know, fortune favors the bold in this this instance. So, yeah, I've got everything triple crossed, you know, for these last four weeks. And you never know. We've seen it happen before. You know, somebody appears to have a commanding lead, but it could all change in the final week of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Uh, I was just thinking, like, some people can be guilty of making a pick at the start of this season with just the idea of, oh, well, if it doesn't work out, I can always transfer them. 
by not thinking that a potential better pick has already been taken and mm-hmm. the other person might not want to let them go come transfer window season. It's something probably we're talking about with the other guys at some point. But but before we move FA further on, uh, Dave, you've got a lot of pressure on your shoulders <laughs> now because you've got to do the Listeners League and you know, I know you you weren't very happy with it, but you know, some people some people did enjoy David Campbell's, you know, rendition of the, the Listeners League. You know, it's like that cover version of a song that comes out that some people think, you know, does better than the original, you know. At the minute he's Tiffany and you're Tommy James and the Sean Dells and Ava, I think we're alone now, uh, and they're talking about the Listeners League, so What's the table looking like this week? Well, I didn't understand any of those references. But um, anyway, the Listeners League, um, hopefully, well, obviously I can't fill these goat-sized boots when it came to uh, his way of describing it, but I'll do my best. So fifth place, uh, Johnny Napier, Nahasso Brasso, although he's been suffering a lot of hassle this week because his team captain, Rhea Ripley, has lost the Raw Women's title and Alexa Bliss and Matt Riddle both failing to capture Money in the Bank in their respective ladder matches. But a win for Kyle O'Reilly this week uh, on NXT is sort of keeping him above water and multiple appearances from Tony Schiavone certainly is is keeping him there. So a little bit hassle for Johnny, but still holding fifth place. Next, we have Jonathan Swift, Swifty Tombstones Lee. Now, the GOAT said last week, you know, why would you Tombstone Lee? Because he's going to end up with a sore neck. So he's sitting fourth place, 248 points. A uh, bit of a, a mixed week for him as well. His team captain, Bianca Belair, retaining the SmackDown women's title over Carmella. But Bliss and Kevin Owens, both his picks in the Money in the Bank ladder match, failing to win on that front. Damian Priest is MIA, well, but he appears to be going into a feud with Sheamus at some point, so he could bounce back from that. Randy Orton, also MIA, but his tag team, Lashley MVP, I don't know how valuable that is, given that you know Lashley's sort of been on this sole dominant run now and he's going up against Goldberg at SummerSlam so it's um, yeah he might actually save himself there but he's not getting any massive points from Lashley MVP but he's at least he's uh, keeping firm and forth at the minute next Adam Callier P45 254 points Adam again a very consistent uh, performer especially since he's now switched his captain to Tony Schiavone uh, he also had Bliss and Owens for the ladder match uh, the trials of Jericho kicking off with his fifth round Chris Jericho pick and now he's got another match set up with uh, with Nick Gage who made his uh, EW debut this week and a successful title defense for Raquel Gonzalez on NXT too so another another strong performance this week keeping him seven points ahead of Mr. Swift now, Ross Brady and the talented Mrs. Ripley, 263 points in second place. Someone who's had a very, very strong season, but is still missing out on recapturing that that top spot. So, and I'm not sure about the, I think the, the rather unfortunate Mrs. Ripley is the way to describe it now, because, you know, Rhea Ripley, his first round pick, is, uh, is no longer Raw Women's Champion. And he switched his captaincy to Matt Riddle, who's unfortunately failed to win Money in the Bank ladder match. But his one saving grace is that he's got Tony Schiavone, you know, making regular appearances and Britt Baker uh, retaining over Nyla Rose this week as well. He's only nine points ahead of Adam Callier, so it can all change in an instant. And then 11 points ahead of him, we have another returning returning top of the leaderboard, JP, shirts in, balls out. And, you know, I think all the more reason to... Uh, do shirts and balls out because Tony Schiavone as his captaincy change has proven, you know, extremely valuable. He's uh, now, he's been sitting at the top again, uh, a, a bit of mixed fortune for money in the bank. Uh, Matt Riddle, obviously failing to to win, but wins for both Charlotte Flair and Britt Baker 
this week. Charlotte Flair in particular winning at Money in the Bank and Britt Baker retaining the AEW women's title. That's helping him out uh, maintain that top spot. So unfortunately, I couldn't fill the goat's boost when it came to talking about his version of the Listeners League. But here we go. That's uh, that's just I've got my method. He's got his. So and we'll keep it like that. Back to you, Scott. I mean, I think no matter how hot it may be at the minute in, in Glasgow, we do not condone people having openly having their balls out. So mm-hmm. I think we should make that very clear. And no matter how good you're doing in the Listeners League, uh, most if importantly, you're, if you're in Glasgow, it's, if you're in Glasgow, it's shades on, taps off. <laughs> but most importantly, more than anything that you just said there, dude. Do you not know who Tiffany is? Tiffany? Yeah, the singer. Not a clue. You know the song I Think We're Alone Now? You don't know that? Oh, you've lost me. How do you not know that song? It's, it's a very well-known song. Girls Aloud then did a cover of it and we shit. But, but not all people, all people know that Tiffany's song was a cover of a guy called Tommy Jane. He did a song. He did the song first and I said that you were Tommy Jane and David Campbell was... Uh, with Tiffany and you've ruined my joke and I'm really annoyed now. More annoyed Any, than I was. Anyway, back to the wrestling. I'm trying to find, find some fun culture, cultural <laughs> references to this show and it's thrown back in my face. I was more, I'm more annoyed about this than I was when Nikki Ash won the fucking Money in the Bank and the Raw Women's title. But, hey, don't be, don't be dissing Nikki. She's been doing well for an undrafted superstar. I mean, she's currently got 38 points at the minute. Like She's really shot at the table having won Money in the Bank and the Raw Women's title this week. Yeah, I was going to say, and like, it's weird that I think she started getting some wins over Charlotte and Rhea randomly in, in Money in the Bank qualifier pre-transfer window. No, no, Money in the Bank qualifiers. I beat the clock challenges and nobody felt the need to pick her. And I think, you know, it would have been seen as a, a bit of a risk or a bit of a waste of a pick at the thing at the time. But looking back now, I think if anybody did pick her, they'd be laughing. What do you think mm-hmm. the odds are of, of Nikki carrying this one out through SummerSlam into the and the next season and potentially being a high pick or do you think she'll maybe maybe lose the title at SummerSlam and maybe the title was just done for a bit of a pop? No, I think it's, uh, we discussed this on Central actually, it was um, apparently Vince is very 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 high on the, the superhero gimmick because it means she has the opportunity to become a, a potential new social ambassador for WWE and I think putting the title on her gives her a bit more star power a little bit more presence and yeah, i, I I would be miffed if anybody didn't choose her next season, maybe for a, as a second or even a third round pick. Yeah, potentially to keep an eye on that. But, you know, we all, we all want a big finish to the season. You know, everybody wants to do well at, at SummerSlam. But, you know, a big part of the end of uh, seasons is usually that there's most, more often than not, there's a takeover around the same time. But uh, this year, things have, have changed with WWE announcing SummerSlam for the Saturday in Las Vegas, but they're still doing TakeOver with NXT TakeOver 36 on on uh, the Sunday, and the only match so far is Walter defending against Dragunov. Still not, still not uh, I'm kind of glad I've transferred him out because he's probably going to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now he's finally showing up, the useless prick. Uh, and you got to think people like matches like Joe versus Cross or another uh, Adam Cole Keller Whaley match might be on that show, but because of the way the seasons have gone before, we're going from big four pay per view to big four pay per view. Uh, there's been some controversy in our group chat over where, whether or not to extend the season to the Sunday and to end with takeover, or to just keep it going to a big four pay per view and just end on the SummerSlam. And at the minute, Steve Wilson is siding with the camp led by fucking David Campbell and 
Ryan Dalglish, and uh, that they think they don't think it should be on the Sunday. That they don't think it should end on the Sunday. They think it should stay on a Saturday with uh, the SummerSlam. I don't know about you, Dave. I think we should extend to Takeover because I don't think it's fair for the people who have NXT picks to lose out. No, I agree. Yeah, I think Takeover needs to be included in this in this setup. But you know, it's a it's a one off decision to have SummerSlam on a, a Saturday this year when it's traditionally on a Sunday, and. Again, like like you said, I think it's it isn't fair on those of us that have got NXT picks on our team because if you recall the last uh, WrestleMania season, the we were meant to have a a takeover in a takeover Tampa Bay when it was mm-hmm. meant to be alongside in conjunction with WrestleMania. However, that got cancelled and moved to the Performance Center the following Wednesday, and I do recall that that show was included in the extension of that of the draft, even though. The given the circumstance that it was COVID, things had to be changed on a dime, and people were still awarded points for it, even though the final standings didn't really change as a result. So I think on that basis, we're still doing like uh, Monday to Sunday as we always do. You know, with assuming that the the season ends with the Sunday, and that's usually the big four pay per view. But in this instance, you know, shaking things up, it doesn't really sort of change the timeline. It just determines you know what order things go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this was around season four when I had the, the lead in going into the season. I think they moved the the takeover to the the Wednesday, and particularly it was a big like six woman ladder match. And yeah, uh, Dakota Kai was on Ross's team, and Ross was actually quite close behind me. And so if Dakota won, Ross would actually have a chance of winning the season. And I think we just showed to you to do that because I basically need anybody other than Dakota to win, and thankfully Dakota didn't win. So it's not as if we don't have precedent for doing that. I know it was like. It was a one time we did it only did it once. It was a year ago, and but it did matter to, to the season, I think. And I don't see why we can't change it again. It's not our fault that WWE uh, decided to make these changes. And it's like we, because we said, "Oh, it's big, it's big for pay per view, big for pay per view." Yeah, because that was before WWE started changing their precedent from having it on a Sunday now having this particular one on a Saturday. And like you know, around Oglish, I think is only arguing. To not include the takeover because he's got Karen Gross on his team and he knows Karen Gross is probably going to lose the title and so he's trying to keep any points he has left even though he's on the in the bloody middle of the table and plus he's going back to the Lister League probably after this season so stay in your lane son <laughs> yeah uh, not to sort of toot my own uh, team's horn here but I've also got Raquel Gonzalez uh, in my team and I'm hoping for another title defence for her so that would be big points to really sort of close the gap and put the pressure on the, the top of the the top three in the table, so I mean that would that would certainly help me out personally. But that's but I digress. It's uh, I, I stand by that you know it should be from Sunday to Sunday, and that takeover should be included. Because mm-hmm. I, I I'm not even saying this because I have like that many NXT picks. I've got O'Reilly, who's probably the best chance of getting on that takeover with a potential like uh, rubber match with with Cole, but. You know, it's not even as distinctly. I do think ending on the takeover is still a big enough show to end on, because you never know like what could change in that uh, in the last like what you never know what could change. You know, you never know what could happen at SummerSlam. How that will impact the table, and then it might make it interesting going into SummerSlam, where somebody could finish a couple of places higher than they they thought they would. So I think uh, even though it may not affect who actually comes out winning the season, I still think. It's a big enough show to end on because it's a takeover 
Speaker was always you know, of a high quality and if the rumours are to be believed for what we're going to get, I don't think it's it's worth missing out on because you know, Samojo might wrestle, I'm sure. Somebody's got Samojo might be Ryan or, or Steam or something that's got Samojo on it, on their team. So Gary's got Samojo. Oh, Gary. Yeah, so Gary's got Samojo. So I don't think it's fair for they, those people to, to miss out. I think Dear Khan's only arguing against it because he doesn't have any NXT people. He's got and, William Regal. Yeah, but Regal's not going to wrestle and take over, is he? Well, but he'll still make regular appearances uh, there and thereabouts. Yeah. Also, I don't think... I think he's... I think he knows he's going to finish kind of mid-table unless, you know, Biggie... Like, even with a Biggie cash and he's not going to, you know, finish that high in the season, I don't think. So, I think that's why he just tries to stir things up once again, as he always bloody does. And I'll... Uh, I'll make sure... I think, sure, think the old... I think the only people that don't have NXT picks is Ryan Gallagher. Actually, no, not my mistake. You know, he's got MSK. So, it, no, it's... Mm-hmm. it's uh, no, actually, no, everybody does have NXT picks. Yeah. So, I don't know not all of the NXT picks we're going to get on the show. But, you know, I think it's still worth including in the season. And I'll be making sure to bring this buddy up with Campbell when it's me and him doing, the, the seat, doing an episode uh, before SummerSlam. Because... I might get him fucking tilt because Stephen at the minute is ruling that some that takeover doesn't count, which I believe is very egregious. Yeah, very uh, egregious. But, but you know, there's nothing to say that his mind can't be persuaded. So if we raise enough fuss about it, and if enough people call him out on it, then hopefully we can bully him into change his mind. That's always the best course of action. No, you know what? Let's you. let's get a post going in the community page, and we'll all sign saying it like we did before. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll petition. To, to include TakeOver 36 in the in the Season 9 of the draft. They're really liberal with the use of numbers for TakeOvers, aren't they? Because TakeOver 30 or TakeOver 25, that's cool. TakeOver 31 or TakeOver 36, not so cool. Just, really wait they, <laughs> just wait till they get to TakeOver 44. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> and with that, we're wrapping up this episode of Saturday Draft Live. It was good to be back until that point. Uh, David Talkney, thank you for being here. I guess to win the listeners' league. Yeah, uh, your reliable stats man is always uh, always here to provide the facts. And if the schedule we got going is to be believed, it might be David Hockney will be back next week, and alongside Jack Graham. And that means the following week it will be the OGs back in the, the table once again. Myself and David Campbell. Oh, it's going to be an interesting one. You can check out those episodes when they come out on all good Android podcasts and Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, same place you can find our back catalog of past episodes of this, Central, our feature shows and all of our other great content. And also coming in this Sunday, uh, 7pm British time, is Push Showdown 12, Beyond Thunderdome with myself in the holding chair, pitting the likes of David Hockney, Graham McRobbie, Stephen Wilson and Ross McLeod against our current champion, Jack Graham. You know, I mean, I, I intend on being the reason that Jack goes winless and book it, but will it be my because of me that he loses the Clay Showdown Championship as well? Who knows? You need to tune on Sunday to find out. We've got all that great content coming. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks of the draft leading into to SummerSlam. How, how much longer can Jack hold on to that top spot? We'll have to wait and see. But in, uh, until next time, thank you for tuning in to the greatest show on ASSR, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>